All right, everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Can We Talk? On today's episode, I have with me Esther, who is a longtime friend, an amazing woman, a true academic, and also one of the most beautiful dark-skinned women that I know. And if you've ever seen her, you know it to be true as well. This week, I'm going to speak to her about her experience as a dark-skinned woman and what that's like in finding love and just existing in a world that isn't always perfect. <laughs> You're too sweet, RK. Thank you. <laughs> so, as is typical, when we start, the first thing is an icebreaker. So, I want to ask you to give me one of your problematic opinions. Let's see. Problematic. So, I'm thinking... I don't know if this is problematic, but this comes to mind because I was literally making plantain yesterday. But I think fried plantain is far better than Bali any day. Any day. <laughs> Bali is just like, okay. It's like the most mediocre way of making plantain as far as I'm concerned. Okay, I, why are you quiet? Are you mad at me? <laughs> no, I've actually, you know, I'm not the biggest plantain person. <laughs> You know oh, that is true. That is true. Yes, true. and that was actually mine. Was actually gonna be that I just don't think plantain is the greatest thing ever. I just think it's okay. No, you know how people will always be like, plantain is this, is that, like. But for me, it's just it's okay. Like it's nice with rice. Wow, you're worse than me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I also don't just sit down and eat plantains usually. Yeah, I think that's a bit much. Yeah, I don't know why anyone <laughs> would do that. <laughs> to each their own. So I wanted to ask you, how's life been over the past couple of months? How's everything been going? Yeah, I would say this year has been probably the roughest of my life. Like it's been an emotional, mental, physical challenge. You know, like, I feel like the amount of growth I have experienced in these past these past four months is more than the usual amount of growth I've probably experienced in a year, I think. It's been it's been tough. It's been intense, you know. I feel like it's kinda of like how they the this is corny, but you know how they talk about you need to put the pressure stone or whatever through the fire for it to become a diamond, yeah, whatever. I don't think I'm a diamond yet, but I've definitely been through fire. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. It's been fire. It's been rough, but you know, we're pulling through, you know, getting more mature, learning about myself more. That's great. So you think this pandemic has like given you time to find yourself? And if it has, like, have you been doing any specific things that you think have really helped you get to this place? Hmm, let's see. Specific things I've done, kind of reevaluating what's important to me, what my goals are, you know, what means the most to me at the time. Because like one way that this decision came that I had to make it was because I don't know I don't know if I told you this, but I was thinking of deferring my second year of my program to next year because I was like it's going to be online now and I'm not paying for an online program. I want it to be in person. But then I started to think about the, the true cost of making that kind of decision of extending my program one year. Like I was only thinking about the money, you know, thinking, no, I want every dime that I'm paying to be given to me. But I'm realizing, you know what, starting my career, moving on, having stability, you know, because I want to stay, live here in Canada. So I'm like, you know, having stability, continuing to like deepen my roots here means the most to me right now. The friends I've, I've made, the life I'm trying to build means more to me than relocating and coming back. So 
it's been like lots of decisions and understanding myself on a deeper level. I've been journaling a lot. Journaling has been helping out. I listen to podcasts that feel like nourish my thoughts, like my soul. Like I followed this podcast called Therapy for Black Girls. Me too. I love it a lot. You yes. follow it? Oh my God. <laughs> There's another podcast that I listen to, and there's one called Super Soul. Then I also, there's Cold Switch by NPR, where they talk about all about like race issues, especially in light of the Black Lives Matter movement. That's been great. And then I also have a therapist. Like I've been talking about what the, like, the thoughts that have been coming to me, the issues that I want to address, like some of the childhood issues, family issues that I just want to take care of. And, you know, I just want to come out of this pandemic, you know, a new self, a best self. And then some travel, more like domestic travel, like driving and, you know, appreciating nature. So those are things that I've been doing that I was not doing and only came to me as things I should be doing when the pandemic hit. There's some good in here. This is so fantastic. Like, I love this about you. Like, I love how you can take any situation and spin it around. Like, literally, the world is falling apart, but you are growing so beautifully. Blossoming like a butterfly. Honestly, thank you so much. And I'm on my end being like, you know, I got a plant. It didn't die. Mm -hmm. Like, if, at first it was like, I can go for a bit with my plant. I got it back up and now, like, it's sprouting again. And you're here like, I've really been journaling. I've been communing with my ancestors. And I'm just here like, <laughs> at level one. Oh my gosh. I feel like whatever way people are finding is a way to like soothe their soul, soothe their anxiety and address it. Go for it. Like I actually got a plant, but girl, that didn't go well. Oh no. Plant is currently dead. I don't even know where the plant is. That's that's how bad I am. I got the plant. <laughs> it was an orchid, which is so sad. Because I actually really like orchids. But when I was moved, yeah, I was moving, changing apartments, and I was just overwhelmed with the stress and the fear of doing all this activity during COVID. I forgot my whole plan. I never went back for it because where I moved to was so far. Like, I moved like a 40 minute drive away, which means if I'm trying to take a train there, it'll be like two hours. And I'm like, are you really trying to travel two hours to get a plan? Nah. So I'm, yeah, I, I didn't do well by that plan at all. I didn't do good. I should have been better. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure somebody saw it and like took it. And now it lives in yeah. their home. I find it hard to imagine that people would see an orchid and just yeah, leave I told it, the man you know? Me, so she, she she took it. Yeah. But it was just sad. Like, I actually deserted the farm. Like, it's, I was like, nah, I'm not coming back for you. <laughs> yeah, I did do good. I did do good. <laughs> At least it's happy in its new home. Mm -hmm. so. I hope it is. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> So have you been meeting any new people in this time, either virtually, obviously not physically, because, you know, mm -hmm. six feet apart? I actually have. I actually have both, like physically and virtually. So I told you, I met my boyfriend literally in the middle of this chaos. So I've met his friends, I've met some of his family. And then um, one girl that I became really good friends with from my program, her name is Samaya, she's somebody. She lives in Toronto, which is on the East Coast, and I am on the West Coast. We met at my program, which is here in the West Coast, and she, well, she moved back home with her family when, you know, things were going crazy. So I actually went and visited her for 10 days. I literally got back on Monday, and I've met her friends, her family, and, you know, it, it's been so great because in the beginning, 
of like before COVID, I was just, you know, trying to be, you know, like how you're new in a country, new in the city, you're just trying to be open to everything, you know? So I was trying to make friends, be friends with everybody, anybody. But now that COVID has hit, I have definitely filtered through the people I've been in communication with, trying to be friends with. And I've truly found the people that I feel like nourish me emotionally, who are like, we connect with and understand and I really want to be around me. My friend circle has changed, but grown, which is kind of weird, but you know, like kind of good and like meeting people. That's so beautiful to hear. Like, ugh. I love, I love to hear of people just finding <laughs> happiness in this way. So I kind of want to switch gears and talk about something specific. So we've known each other for a while now. So I want to know if you have found any differences in your experiences living as a Black woman in this new city, as opposed to all the other places mm -hmm. that you've been in before. I wouldn't say it's like drastically different, like the experience as a Black woman, outside of, you know, just different levels of racism. Being a Black woman in Nigeria just felt like being one of millions, except of course, colorism, you know, like, you know, lighter skinned women getting some sort of preferential treatment or more attention and all of that, you know, or, and then when I was in the U.S., you know, it was racism and colorism, but um, I don't even know where it was worse. I would say it was worse, probably. I don't even know. I'd say probably in the U.S. was worse. The definite worst place that I experienced being a Black woman was France, when I did my study abroad in Paris. That was not nice at all. There was, the colorism was stark. And, you know, like the self-hate. I think I told you about my crazy, when those guys came at me by the bridge and, you know, were threatening me that one might doing on the street. One of them was a Black man. Like the self-hate is intense, the, the violence, the viciousness towards me as a Black woman. It was really intense coming from him. See, being a Black woman, just generally outside of Nigeria, sometimes kind of feels like not being seen, but also being very much in the spotlight. You're always between those two. You're never just like everybody else, just like living your life. Either you're being erased, ignored, not respected, your opinion not being valued, or you're going to be put front and center for some reason, for a short-term reason, either maybe because you're you're angry in that moment and you're the angry Black woman, or something went wrong and they want your opinion because you're the token Black person or Black woman, or one or the other, especially if you're not just with Black people. Yes, I think that constant line of erasure and then hypervisuality is crazy. It's funny, like, I'm pretty much on the lighter side of things, so... There's so much privilege and benefit that I receive. And I remember the experience in Paris and just it being so jarring mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. I think Black people in general have a lot of work to do in terms of how we see colors and how we really understand each mm -hmm. other and love ourselves from the inside. That's where a lot of this just spurs from. I think somewhere along the line, and there's like a lot of debate about why colorism is a thing in the Black community. I mean, what's the process been like? I can't imagine it's easy at all. First of all, I don't think it's easy at all growing up as a woman in Nigeria. Like it's, it's jarring. And then going to a place that's like so different, where it becomes more apparent that you look different from a lot of people, it can really put like 
a lot of like self-doubt for a lot of people truly a mm-hmm. lot of hate internally for yourself mm-hmm. is this something that you ever yeah. experienced yeah oh. oh yeah definitely oh yeah a lot of the time all the time maybe sometimes um i i mean we went to high school together i was on the shy reserved timid side even more like beyond shy disafraid of people zero self-confidence and all of that and then you know i left nigeria after high school and moved to the U.S. and I had to find myself in an even more harsh and toxic environment. It was very stressful. I always felt like I felt out of place. I felt like the least attractive one. And I was so self-conscious, not only because of my dark skin, but also being so like taller than most girls. And I'm not even crazy tall. I'm just like 5'10". You know, I'm not even six feet tall, but I was taller than most girls, but I always felt like I was more masculine. I always felt like, you know, being dark and tall. Yeah, I felt like I was masculine. I felt like I was not good looking. I felt like I was, I don't know. I just always was picking apart every part of my body and just being so self-conscious. And yeah, it's been a journey for me to like unlearn that. And I'm still unlearning it. I, I don't feel like I'm now in the moment where I like look in the mirror and I love everything about myself. I'm still working on it. I have days where I put on a dress and I'm like, oh, you know, I wish I had more this or less that, but I'm still working on it. But the self-hate, for me, it just feels like I discover it in random times in little ways, you know, like maybe, yeah, in the weirdest ways, like maybe I'm looking at something and I'm trying to pick between two and then one is affiliated with black people or affiliated with dark skinned people or something. And then I'm like, no, I don't want that. I, you know, that I think deeply and think about why I don't want this one or why I don't want to be associated with this thing or or that, then I have to be real with myself. That is my self-hate. The one that hit me the most recently, there's this, um, I think it's from Harvard. It's some kind of quiz that you take that is supposed to expose your own bias to you. There's many of them. There's one for race. There's one for religion. There's one for complexion, like skin tone. There's one for nationality. There's just lots of them. And I took the one for race. Like the way the result shows up, it it tells you whether or not you have a slight preference, preference, significant preference of any race over another and it does black versus white Expecting it'll be like i'm neutral or it'll maybe say slight preference for black or something like that because i don't expect it i just didn't expect that the result for me was going to turn out to be slight preference for white i was like what the hell is this when i took it at first i was like nah this is crazy then i told a few of my other black friends to take the, the quiz one of them also had slight preference for white one of them was significant preference for black and another one was slight preference for black so i was like okay so it's not like the quiz is broken and giving everyone the same result like there's some variety here so i had to reflect on my self-hate and the internalized racism that I've probably developed from just going through life, you know? On learning self-hate and internalized racism, it's a very long process. You, As soon as you get over one, maybe you get over self-hate for your looks or self-hate for your family members or your friends, you're going to find out that, oh, your self-hate also is in another part of your life that you didn't notice previously. So it's just such a long process because it's something that just seeps into you, your being, your thought, you know, that you don't even know when you're subconsciously doing it. 
it's funny because I have taken this quiz before. It was part of a class when I was in college. And I remember taking it and I remember having a slight preference for Black people. And I thought I would come out of there with a significant preference for Black people. I was like, like, all of my life, I've lived with Black people. I love them. Like, the people that raised me are Black. But I didn't take into account just how deeply I had internalized so many negative thoughts. I have met Nigerians who have thought Mm -hmm. that Black people can be, Mm -hmm. in general, very aggressive, Mm -hmm. not as smart as other races. And stuff like that is, like, really heartbreaking. I had a friend actually Mm -hmm. during college, and we had realized that over the space of time, we were consistently dating men of, like, specific races or Mm -hmm. specifically being in that space. And we had to sit down, and we were like, why are we doing this? What is this truly about for us? Why do we think that these men are more desirable? Mm -hmm. Is it because Black men aren't checking for us? And Mm. when you go to a PWI, that is true. It will happen a lot. Mm -hmm. Or is it because we're specifically Mm -hmm. picking other people because of internalized negative biases that we Mm -hmm. have towards Black men? And we had to work our way through that. This was a long conversation. Mm -hmm. Everybody owes it to themselves to have that conversation. Difficult conversation to have. We needed to have it together. And I also needed to have it alone so I could really grow. I totally agree with you. I definitely went through that phase as well. Like leaving Nigeria, coming to the U.S. And I found that in that moment for me, no Nigerian guy I met, not even the other like Ghanaian guys in my program seemed to, seemed to want to date even the other Black girls. And if they were going to date Black girls, they always went for light skin. Well, that sent me in a whole spiral like a whole spiral. I started to think, first it was anger, then resentment. Then I started to change the way I was dating. I started like um, being open to dating white guys and any race, although it was mostly, I only ended up dating white guys and black guys. And then, you know, just realizing, wait, why am I reacting to what other people are doing? Maybe perhaps just out of sheer preference, maybe just out of finding a connection with this person, or maybe even self-hate. But why am I reacting to what someone else is doing, you know? So, yeah. But do you think, or do you notice that people have about Black women, and not just Black women, about dark-skinned women? Definitely that we're stronger, physically, emotionally, angry. Yeah, just less likely to be pretty. And I think those ones are so harmful because they really are so negative. And I notice that like, it happens with a lot of dark-skinned women, and I think I've spoken to other people about this, how important it is for dark-skinned women to present as like softer in social situations, mm-hmm. always be calm, always be collected, always be like super classy, even when they have every right to be angry because they know that if they make a move, everyone's just going to go, there she goes, being angry and black. You get, and just robs them of like the freedom to even express themselves. Like mm-hmm. you have every right to be angry. Yeah. Somebody has disrespected you. You should express how you feel. I totally agree with you, yeah. And do you think that men of all races have internalized these stereotypes? Or do you think it's extremely prevalent in Black men? I don't really know. I would think think that Black men have internalized it the most because they have been the greatest victims among the men. But I think lots of races definitely have their own internalized self-hate. Like there are actual studies and documentaries talking about Asian men having a hard time finding women because... Well, of certain, like some Asian countries, like having a hard time finding women because the stereotypes about them being effeminate or, you know, having smaller penises. 
that's actually a real thing going on. And then, you know, Black men are very trendy right now, you know white women. Women of different countries want black men because of the stereotypes of them being sporty, athletic, very masculine, and of course, big penises. And then you have white men feeling like they're on top of the world. You know, they're the creme de la creme, top cake. Everybody has their own thing that they've been they've internalized. Indian men probably have theirs, you know. And I feel like Indian people often find themselves being the butt of lots of jokes about the way they talk. And you, I feel like racism has all of us delusional in some ways like affected and it's just different. I don't know whose would be worse. I was, I, I, yeah, I'd say black men's is worse because it comes with a you know, sizable serving of being killed for no reason. But um, I think everyone is, you know, suffering from racism, all of us. I feel like racism is another pandemic of its own that's ongoing, you know. Right. And sometimes it feels like there is no end in sight, like there's no vaccine that could ever be made that will help us through this, except if we all consciously relearn and unlearn the things that are extremely negative and harmful. Yeah. And that in itself is a lot of work to do. Something that's interesting is how comfortable people are with interracial dating and how, and even being lighter skinned women and how this puts darker skinned women in a difficult position. So there's a study that basically stated that 85% of black men marry black women. But then when you break down that statistic and you really begin to look at it with like nuances of the black community, it's only 23% of black men that marry dark skinned women. And so this is interesting because why do you think that is? First of all, that statistic really knocked me off. Well, I wasn't on my feet. I'm sitting down, but it, I had to sit up when you're ready to. Like, <laughs> Yo, let me have a glass of water real quick. Mm. Wow, that's intense. Okay, I would say ooh, I definitely want to read more about that statistic and see, you know, the report and all of that. I would say it's a lot of factors that are going into it. Like, I I feel like definitely it's very clear. Beauty, what's considered beautiful keeps changing. What's the standard of beauty keeps changing. And there's no doubt that at the moment, light-skinned women are currently what the media, so, social media, movies, TV, everything is showing us is the you know, like the, like the end thing, like the beautiful thing, like all, most movies, a lot of movies, black movies you see, it's a dark skinned black man that's hot and sexy with a light skinned woman. And they're like this perfect couple. And it's just a thing. It's just, I don't know. I don't know, but that's just what the media keeps showing us. And I think definitely, you know, lots of black men have probably internalized that for whatever reason. There might be people that are dating light skinned women, because of the trend, because of the beauty. Some will be dating them because of the connection they had. Maybe they, you know, like, I feel like there'll be some, like, underlying issues with it, and there will definitely be the healthy ones. But, you know, for me, in my self-love journey, I just stopped fixating on it. Like, I stopped fixating on the trends, what anybody's doing, and all of that. Because, like, getting this information for me was just very toxic. It was what led me to being like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm not going to be waiting around for Black men. And I started, like, focusing on 
dating white guys almost strictly at a point in my life but I don't know for me I don't even I don't even want to figure out other people's problems like if you're gonna you know bask in your self-hate and you know date light skin or mixed or white because you're trying to run away from your skin color because you don't want your kids to look like you or because you feel some sort of boosting your confidence for being with a white person go ahead and do you for me (laughs) and my household we're not doing that over here you know yeah I have no time like that's just how I feel um all these studies I, I don't follow any of these pages on social media that remind me of this bullshit you know I follow women and pages that post beautiful black dark-skinned women beautiful black dark-skinned men you know I just you know I'm just trying to detoxify my mind of these types of things but like for us dark-skinned women right now there's just so much media and you know stuff and I, I remember I even saw a clip of a little documentary about women somewhere in, I think it was Atlanta, like a couple of single women in their late 30s that are talking about trying to find a man. And the whole study was, why is it so hard for Black women to find, you know, but it was just this white man, I think, that was asking these Black women, why is it so hard for you? I felt like, you know, I don't want to be hearing about that. I feel like any dark-skinned woman that is hearing this type of shit needs to cut off the source of this information. There are men out there that are looking for you. There are men out there that find you beautiful. Do not fixate on the ones that don't because it's okay that they don't. Like, you you know, you're not for everybody. You know, it's okay. Even if the population of men in the world that find dark-skinned women beautiful, supposing it was 1%, which is not 1%. That's the 1% of, like, 3 billion. 1% of 3 billion. Let me do the math. <laughs> That's still a couple million, you know, for you to pick from. I, I just don't even bother myself with this type of information and conversation anymore. It's not good for me. It's not good for nobody. You know, just carry your head, you know, keep your head high, date who you want, definitely have your pick like you should, and, you know, live your best life. I love it. I actually think, yes, I actually think dark-skinned women are super desirable. It's not your job to teach anybody to accept you or see you as beautiful. That person is missing out. Sir, it is your job to do your own unlearning. I'm not a great school teacher. I can't come back here and be teaching you what you should have learned. It's not, and I know like a lot of dark-skinned women, a lot of Black women in general are kind of really fed up. They're just like, you know, I cannot help you unlearn this. Mm -hmm. You have to do this for yourself like I am deserving of somebody who is grown enough to treat me well and take care of me and understand me and this is your journey of growth I've yeah I've been through a whole journey on this topic because like being in Nigeria I wasn't able to like having protective parents going to boarding school and being timid I didn't have any like social life dating life nothing nothing in high school then I come to the U.S. and I'm thinking you know high school musical kind of love story and then I show up and then all the black men, all the men that looked like me that I felt comfortable talking to didn't want to talk to me. They weren't checking for me at all. Like, I remember I was salty, I was mad and all of that. And then I, you know, it, it like triggered my own self-hate and my own anger. And I started like acting out of it. And it, it didn't end, it didn't, it didn't turn out well for me. You know, I had to just, you know, totally let go of it. Don't act, don't react to it. Don't act based on it. Just live your life like as if it's not happening because it's just a trend. And at the end of the day, me as a dark-skinned black woman, I'm not looking for any man that's going to be with me because he couldn't get any light-skinned girl. No, 
You know, I don't even want that for myself anyways. The men that are, you know, struggling with self-hate, the men that only want light-skinned girl, do you. Go for it. You know, go for the white woman you want. Go for the light-skinned woman you want. Just keep your mouth shut if you see any dark-skinned or black woman with a white man. Shut the hell up. Don't let me hear a word from you. That's all I'm trying to say here. I don't want to hear anything. And that's the funny thing you hear all the time. The studies show that black men are dating out far more than black women. But then you always see people talking nonsense about being a sellout when white women, black women are dating who they want. You know, I just feel like people should find love where they find love. Don't be finding love out of insecurity. Don't be finding love out of low self-esteem. Don't be finding love out of self-hate or internalized racism. You know, just be finding love at all. So I don't even give none of these studies no mind. I don't give what anybody is saying about how I should date, who I should date, why I'm dating any mind. And, you know, you just have to approach dating with confidence. You know, feel like you're the shit, you know. Just show up, you know, fuck shit up and go home. <laughs> it's the only way. You know, like, I, I, yeah, I've definitely come a long way with regards to dating. And the funny thing, I think I told you about when I traveled to Italy and I found out that Italian men are obsessed with black women. And not just black women, but like dark-skinned black women. They're like obsessed. You know, I, my message to black women, especially dark-skinned women, is to go where you're appreciated, go where you're loved. If you find your white man or whatever man that loves you, respects you, treats you the way you want, go for it. If you find a black man that does that, go for it. Just make sure you don't lower your standards. Don't take it any disrespect because you're not any less beautiful, any less smart, or any less deserving than any woman. And then, of course, don't be hating on no women. Don't let, you know, the self-hate, the self-hate, the racism, the media make you start to see other women as competition or as, as your enemy, you know? Like, there's room for every single woman at every party to be beautiful at the same time. There isn't one winner. There isn't one person that has to be the baddest. You're not in competition with anybody. You're a complete person you know just living your life being yourself and yeah these are the things I have to remind myself I, I still have moments where I go to a party go to the club and I feel like I'm comparing myself subconsciously or I start to like pick apart you know my shoulders my height my complexion you know my hyperpigmentation my dark uh, knees or elbows everything you know and I start to do that it's like and then sometimes it shows up as me putting myself down or other times as me putting another woman down and I check myself. You just need to rise above it, above the self-hate and the media in every way possible. If not, you just drive yourself crazy, being bitter and angry and never satisfied. Personally can say this, like I may not understand fully all of the challenges of being a dark-skinned woman. That's an extra layer of complexity that, that I don't really experience, but I will say I understand what it feels like to pick apart my Myself and my body and the way I feel and just my skin. And I've never wished that I was any other race. When I was younger, feeling like if I was lighter, people would think I was prettier. People would think I was more desirable because it would happen all the time. A lot of the people in my family are significantly yeah. lighter. Growing up and people would always say, you look just like your sister. But there's something about her that makes her prettier than you. And I could always tell that they meant because she was lighter. So I always thought, God, if I was just a little lighter, then everybody would think I was pretty too. But it's just, no. If those people can't see your value and your beauty as you are, it doesn't matter mm. what you become. They'll mm. never see it. It's such a superficial mm -hmm. way of looking at beauty. Mm -hmm. mm. 
Yeah, that is so real. That is so real. It's funny you say this because that reminds me. My longer, my younger sister is lighter than me too, and I went through the same thing. Like I'm from Kogi State, we're all dark as hell. And then my little sister shows up. You know, she's like lighter than me, and everyone thought she's prettier than me. And then you know, everything she was good at always felt like it was throwing shit in my face. You know, because I, I, it was bad. Like, our, me and my younger sister's relationship didn't start off good because it just kept feeding my insecurity the more attention she got, even though the attention was for the wrong reason. So now, look, I had to definitely fix my relationship with my little sister, you know. I had to grow personally to get past that, to be able to have a good relationship with my own sister. That's how badly the self-hate and the internalized racism and the colorism can hit you. So, yeah, I just remember just always being mad at my sister and we'd have fights. And Plus, my parents didn't help. You know, there were those moments where my sister would maybe do better at school than me and they'd be like I have to be more like your sister and it would just compound with my own issues oh my god letting go of self-hate and the colorism and the continuous competition and you know like flushing out that kind of negative media and stuff out of your life makes a huge world of a difference I have so much more peace of mind I'm a lot more comfortable in my own skin I don't you know feel like I'm in competition with anyone you know it's just it's freeing it's freeing. And I hope that other dark-skinned women that are struggling with their image can also learn that it doesn't even have to be that way. You don't have to be in competition. You don't have to listen to what all these men are saying. And another issue, oh my gosh, I hate to, I'm not trying to shit on Nigerian men, but Nigerian men are always coming with these alternative facts about there are more women than men in this world in Nigeria. So uh, fueling the competition to get married, and, you know, seeing all the bleaching that we're seeing in Nigeria, like, you know, women need to stop listening to these men. Stop listening to them. <laughs> Especially if it's Nigerian. Don't be listening to that. I don't know. I don't know where Nigerians get their own statistics and information from, but it's always conveniently to encourage their, you know, their e to encourage their egos and their, um, like, what they want or their chase for women to satisfy their need to feel like men. Like, the, Nigerian men are always coming out with these crazy facts that don't even make sense <laughs> honestly they will always be buying into their notice don't be taking this garbage fans from garbage men no. Actually, interacting with both you and your sister, I think you guys have such a beautiful relationship. I think it's really enviable. I think if your relationship was like on television, everybody would want to emulate this. Like I think, literally, like it's so beautiful, and I'm happy you were able to get to that point with her. And on Nigerian men having alternative facts, they pull that stuff out of nowhere. <laughs> nowhere, sis. Yo, I remember one guy told me there's like seven to every one man in Nigeria. Ah 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 ah. Are you the one that created this country? Like, so you counted and you know there's seven to every one man. You. Like, okay, oh, Nigerian statistics board. Keep it, keep it up, you know, keep spreading your information. And then I had to school him to shut it down. Because I remember it wasn't just me and him. There was people there, but I had to shut him down in front of everybody because you cannot be saying that around me. And I imagine he has probably told some girl this so that she'll start cooking for him so he'll marry her. Like this idiot. <laughs> Very true. So I have two more questions. Um, growing up, did you notice any imagery that, like, either maybe in, like, music or television or even, like, in your family, any specific influences or any specific women that you think really helped you come to terms with who you are? Okay. Any experiences that helped? Yes. Um, I think just stumbling upon pages and articles online that were about self-love and, you know, 
putting black women first and caring for yourself that helped watching movies yeah and then watching movies as well that kind of discuss like address colorism and self-hate and racism and you know definitely also reading about like the history of our dark skin the history of our continent our heritage and all of that you know you can't be reading about your own history and the greatness of your own people and then be letting some boy be putting you down you know be talking nonsense to you or be disrespecting you for someone else like you just can't accept that kind of disrespect after you realize just how beautiful and rich and amazing your you are your ancestors are the country you're from is and all of that and then of course there are a few faces that i saw on tv that i fell in love with like the Nigeria, peter yango gaburi sipe empire yvonne orji and Issa ray from insecure viola davis and then you have like um naomi campbell serena williams taraji p hansen like there's just so many dope dark-skinned black women on our TVs, you know, that are just great and, you know, that inspire, that fill you up with, like, grace, you know, that just make you feel good. It's no longer like, oh my gosh, remember when in Fresh Prince, when Dark Skin and, and Viv was replaced with Light Skin and Viv? Like, mm-mm. Like, there's just... A triggering moment for us all. Yeah, that was a that was a moment that really let I think dark skinned women know like yo, this is they like no like people aren't really fucking with you like that. But then for every one of those types of experiences, there's now like so many dope dark skinned women that are on screen that are bad, you know, they're good and you know, I love the fact that it's a nice spectrum too. You know, like, they aren't always good guys on TV. I, it, there was a point where it felt like dark-skinned actresses always have angels or perfect mothers and great people to be on TV. But now we have the bad ones, the good ones, the complex characters and all of that. And I love it. I'm here for all of this. Mm, I love it so much. Yes. If you watched Insecure this season, you watched Molly struggle and be the most annoying person ever. And, like, <laughs> we are allowed to be annoying. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. I feel like you just have to change the kind of media you're getting. Don't be following none of those stupid pages, especially if it's run by men. Black women, stop listening to black men tell you about yourself. What do you think he even knows about you? You know, like, there's so many pages on social media. Like, I don't want to start to mention before, you know, but um, there are pages on social media that just post toxic stuff. Like, they're, they're supposedly supposed to be funny. But even the jokes you laugh at don't have to be jokes that attack your persona, don't have to attack your complexion, don't have to attack your sense of self-worth. Like, I'll be following some pages that will be posting jokes, like, about dark skin versus light-skinned women, dark skin versus light-skinned men, and all of that. You know, you don't have to consume that kind of thing. I don't follow pages that will be posting about the statistics on how black women are not finding anyone to date. I definitely don't follow pages where men are the ones telling black women how to date. No, I don't follow no such pages like that. I like pages that are like by women, for women, and are knowledgeable about these types of things. You know, I feel like we need to change the kind of media we consume. Like, you know, like I this is a I saw one meme that was like food is the thing we consume for our bodies and our health, but you know, we need to be careful, pay attention to the food that our minds get. You know, like all these things you're watching on social media, even like music videos, you only see light skin and racially ambiguous women. You might not be watching it thinking, oh, um, 
why are there no dark-skinned women as the baddies in these videos? Why are there no dark-skinned video you know, vaccines on it? But you may not be thinking that in the moment, but it's registering it somewhere in your brain, pushing yes. your um, insecurities, pushing the negative thoughts in your head, like, you know, confirming them. And it's just, it's just bad. It's just not good for you. I think you need to be very protective of your space, protective of your social media. Yeah. The pages you follow, any page that you notice is like further worsening your insecurities, is feeding into them and making you feel bad. Unfollow it. You know, it's your own social media. You determine what you want. You determine what kind of what kind of music videos and art you support, you know, don't be supporting all these pages that are actively talking about how you're trash. You know, I'm very selective about these things now. Very careful with the kinds of things I've let into my mind. Right. You know, it's like they say, if it doesn't help you grow, don't water it. Yeah, that's real. That's very real. So I have one last question to ask. So if you could give young, dark-skinned Black women any advice that you just think from your experiences you've learned or anything that you think you really wish you could go back in time mm -hmm. and tell yourself, what would it be? For dark-skinned women? Yes. Um, I would say put yourself first because almost everybody else is doing that. And the people that are not doing that are going to learn that they should have been doing that too. Always being too self-conscious and all of that. You know, focus on yourself. Think about what you need to do for yourself. You know, better yourself. Don't let anybody... Oh, I've already gone beyond one. But uh, yeah, just put yourself first. <laughs> but okay, so to expatiate on that, putting yourself first to me is making sure you take time for self-care when you need it. It means um, not letting yourself be in relationships where you're being disrespected, you're being put down, you're being talked down to. You have people that are feeding your insecurities instead of feeding your strengths or your mind. You know, you don't need to be in any toxic relationships to feel among any crowd or any group that makes you feel like you're out of place in the first place and you have to work to be accepted. You know, I would say putting yourself first, everything, because you actually are. It just takes a while to truly realize and believe it. I myself saying this, I definitely have moments where I don't, you know, feel like I'm worth everything. But then the moments where I realize and remind myself, you know, I get back to expect your worth, the dignity, your worth being my best self, you know? So the way you treat yourself, shows people how they'll treat you so put yourself first putting yourself first doesn't make you a bad person you know i mean there's a difference between putting yourself first and being like selfish or like an egomaniac or something there's a balance but yourself should not be coming last ever i'd say that's the thing that i learned late and i'm still learning because i still have moments where i have to remind myself Esther, thank you so much. I loved how nuanced this conversation was. I loved how much vulnerability there was and how you really just opened up and spoke from your heart. I really hope that a lot of women listen to this and they learn and they grow. I think there are like so many. It's like, I'm going to be listening to this like with a notepad and be like, number one, don't listen to these men. You know? <laughs> that has to be number one. Yo, you can't be learning about yourself as a woman from men especially men that want exactly. something from you hell no it's a bad idea yeah but yeah i really enjoyed doing this you know it's like a conversation you and i have had too many times you and i have had this conversation in different countries even we've had the conversation <laughs> 
you know, like this conversation never gets old because, you know, we keep learning about ourselves, learning how to be in this world, especially when the world yes. is so toxic and hostile. So I love having this conversation and I, I'm so grateful that you actually find me as someone who is fit to have this conversation with you. I'm so grateful. I love you, RK. I love you too. And I know anybody who <laughs> listened to this loves you now too. So I'm sharing you with the world. it was my pleasure and i hope i can have you back on the podcast again because i think there's so many things that we can talk about yes i am down i'm sick i'm so excited for us to be doing this